Welcome to another Azure centric podcast on our weekly Azure weekly update show. I'm Marcos Nogueira. I'm your host. And with me, I have my good friend, Andrew Lowe's. How are you, Andrew? I'm amazing today. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. So another week. So we are on episode, I think, 28, if I'm not mistaken. I which think is so. a very good mark. Yeah, we've uh, made it uh, halfway over the one-year mark. So yeah. uh, it's all downhill from here. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But let's start. Thank you. Uh, to thank, in this case, you that you are listening and thank to to thank you that you are um, seeing this as well, because it's it's always a, a, my humble moment when Monday uh, arrives, Monday morning arrives, and we are starting to get all of that love from you guys, especially from you that you are listening. If you are new at this channel, um, don't forget to subscribe um, and don't forget to just um, make sure that you are getting all the updates uh, for the for the podcast. Um, and um, I hope that you enjoy it. If you are one of our uh, existing um, listeners, and, and viewers, we want to thank you again, right? Absolutely, yeah. I was actually looking at uh, last week's video uh, earlier today, and I was really surprised how many views uh, we keep getting. Um, all the different people uh, watching the videos and leaving feedback and comments. And uh, as you know, I kind of run by the very simple motto that if we uh, give a little bit of ourselves and we share a little yes. bit of ourselves. If we can help just one person uh, when we do that each week, then uh, it's time uh, well spent and effort that is really uh, having a positive outcome. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So it, it's amazing to me. But uh, that aside, so this week um, we had to, uh, as it were, like trim the fat a little bit, right? So there was a lot of Azure news this week. And uh, yeah, and it was almost uh, before we kind of went through our process and we cut the articles that are outside of our area that we don't include. Yes, there was a lot of Azure SQL stuff. Yes, so uh, mainly my... Azure SQL, I, I have to say, uh, not as so more like database kind of announcements because it was not yeah. only SQL, it was MySQL, Postgres. Yeah. And that yeah, there was a not, lot of MySQL stuff in yeah, there too. Yeah, and those were not our area, right? And and the idea again uh, of this podcast and and of this show is is to bring the uh, the news of of Azure, uh, but on a perspective from the field, from two IT uh, architects in this case that they work always uh, with Azure and bring what is that going to change our lives right and change the Absolutely. life of our customers and that is the i think is the essence is the core of this of this show uh, is doing that that's why the reason that it's not because we don't like database or something like that it's because we don't have the deep knowledge to say that is that a good update or not all the updates are uh, are updates but we take with a grain of salt what we won't talk about it and when we talk about it here it's because it will influence directly our life and this is what we want to pass on as a message right absolutely yeah we have a bit of a an IaaS and PaaS focus yes and uh we do exclude um certain things um some iot is out and some database is out there's yeah. always crossover yeah. um but anyways that said so this week we do have a kind of a dual theme again, yes. right? So we have a, a whole lot of site recovery announcements. Yes, and we have some uh, related to monitoring, in this case, upper insights as well. So exactly. Stay tuned. Let's roll out the introduction video and we'll come back in, the, in a few moments. So welcome back. Let's dive into the first 
one. So the first one is the new Azure VMs for general purpose and memory intensive workloads is now in public preview. So again, once more, uh, Azure with all of the issues that we are seeing in the world regarding uh, supply chain, especially for uh, PCs, computers, and all of those components, mm -hmm. they are increasing their their um, uh, performance in this case and new VMs. So what are we talking about here is the generation five of the DV, DSV, DDV, DDSV, <laughs> EV, <laughs> and EDV. <laughs> All Spot on. <laughs> We're starting with, I think this is going to be Tom, an amazing... right out of the gate. It's just going to be a good week. I like it. Exactly. So... All the <laughs> all the series five, all of this series. Oh my god! I don't know what what I have to say. I don't know what they are doing, but the guy must be very humorous when when he start <laughs> to create all of these family names. But well, yes. I think they didn't intend for us to rhyme them off. In a <laughs> row. It's kind of like a Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers, right? So, wow, uh, that's right. That's wow, right. I should have a button of clapping over here on my stream deck <laughs> to just do that. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. So, but uh, yeah, so uh, first article, folks, we're already off the rails. That's a good start. <laughs> not a bad thing. I'd like to point out there's sunshine in the background behind me again. Yes. So uh, it's not our fault. Uh, can't hold <laughs> no, us responsible for these things. We're solar powered. What can we say? Exactly. <laughs> but. Uh, in all seriousness, though, this is a really big update, right? So uh, in these series, you can now scale for workloads up to 96 virtual CPUs. Mm -hmm. And uh, if my uh, eyes uh, are still working properly for me here without my glasses on, 2,400 gigs of RAM. No, is that SSD. Right? <laughs> SSD storage. See? <laughs> <laughs> SSD. Uh, the, Interesting. The what's machines, the, the RAM on these ones? The RAMs, here? it's 672 gigs of RAM. Ah, yep. Okay, there it is. You're right on. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, nothing to sneeze at either, right? So, exactly. 2,400 gigs, though, that's the large local SSD storage, right? Yes, it is. It is that. It is that. So, uh, and, and yeah, so it's, it's good because now we're starting to see, and, and basically, these these new machines, what they have is is based on the third generation of the Intel Xeon Platinum, the eighty three seventy. I see the Ice Lake, the 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 with the with the architecture of Ice Lake, that goes from all cars goes up to three point five gigahertz, gigahertz, uh, with the Intel Turbo uh, Boost technology of two as well so oh, every time i hear turbo with a processor i'm thinking 66 megahertz yes and the hyper trading one remember, passes, remember right? those those ones that you had on the tower you had the button say turbo, turbo. Button. oh yeah. my god yes down to the memory lane oh yes sorry that's okay <laughs> that's I, I i think that is a good deviation if you guys if you guys are on that type leave us a comment or leave in the thumbs up or something like that to see how many of you of the have exactly the same, not age, because we are, we have two different ages, right? We have the body age and the mental age. Um, Absolutely. Uh, we are, uh, we are talking about the experience. That's age that we will talk about. We don't care about exactly. your age. I, you know, I actually have a bit of an ask for our listeners and viewers. So on Azure Centric on YouTube, I would love to see a couple of people's favorite photos of their old uh, turbo buttons that they had yeah. on uh, their towers. Yeah. Just, just a random ask out of nowhere. There. Exactly. 
if they still have it, right? Because right yeah, now, if that's... you still have it, yeah, you yeah. may have to take a picture of your actual uh, physical photograph with your cell phone if you have a non-digital photo, because yeah. digital photography was uh, not quite popular at that time, not for consumers at least. Absolutely. Yeah, but all of this is available. So usually the DS, the D series, right? And all of these new ones, the DSV, the DV, the DDSV, or the DDS, they are basically general purpose. So it's not like they built for, for example, for running those massive workloads. They will have new computes, new ways to, to do it, but you have a lot of, of, of RAM. The E as well, it's more like the uh, a little bit above the D yeah. series. Um, but it's still it's still a good series with that you can have with exactly the same way. Um, yeah, they're general purpose servers, like yes. for uh, kind of vertical apps or something like that that you may run in your organization or other workloads uh, that you just need to process an in-house application. Absolutely, example. absolutely. Moving to the next one, this is a horrible mention that we want to to talk about it. I'm incurring to this a lot of times is as uh, is the general availability for Azure hybrid benefits for Linux with reserve instance and VMSS support. So yep. this means that as the same way that, for example, you have machines, um, Windows machines that you can bring your own license, right? Now you can do that with your uh, Linux uh, distribution. In this mm -hmm. case, it's more towards to the Red Hat and SUS that allows for them to bring their pre-existing uh, Red Hat, uh, in this case, enterprise license and the SUS enterprise license into the cloud. So makes them uh, way more, uh, in this case, uh, use of those licenses they already paid. Right, mm -hmm. they don't need in this case to uh, uh, pay the full machine like you have on Windows. They are a little bit cheaper, and you can still use, and that's I think is a good part of it. You can still use the machines from the Azure Marketplace, not the machines. Absolutely, the images, well, the images, the images. Yeah, the and then you use the bring your own licensing model with yeah. them. Yeah. So there's two things that really stand out for me in this update. The first one is that it's fully compatible with Azure Arc. That's a big deal. I've been doing a lot of work in AVS, the Azure VMware solution, and Azure Arc is only in preview, so we can't roll it out uh, to production environment, right? So um, Azure Arc allows for a lot of integration like VM tagging, things like that, that may not be necessarily uh, natively available with the IaaS or PaaS offering that you're utilizing, but Azure Arc allows you to kind of overlay that, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's very useful for um, especially large enterprise, mm -hmm. um, really helpful. The other thing is co-located co technical support. Ah, this is a favorite. huge, huge thing. So. As I said, I'm going to pick on AVS all week long this week. So I've uh, been doing a lot of work inside AVS and uh, Microsoft and VMware uh, do a really good job of integrating the support. So you have one spot, one ticket, you're using Microsoft Azure VMware solution. So you create your ticket with Microsoft and it kind of flows down. And if it needs to escalate to somebody else, then they do that. Microsoft handles that with you, yes. right? It's a partnership. And that's what they're talking about here. So for uh, you, you create your Azure tech technical support uh, ticket, your SR, your service request. Then you uh, also get upstream support inherited with your licenses that you bring from Red Hat and SUSE. And uh, one ticket resolution is a big deal because if that service request number, the ticket number changes throughout the support process, it can be really, really tough for your frontline technical support help yes. desk folks to keep everything updated in one spot so that you, the backend admin, are actually getting all of the updates you need on that ticket. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so it's a it is a it is a big deal, right? It is, it is a, it is a big deal. I have another one that that, that that I want to add with this. 
that it 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 it, it was impactful for me in this case um a few projects uh, that i had that is the part of the be able to uh, build in this case the clusters um mm -hmm. on on either red hat and sus and then was a particular happening for example on sap project that we had to switch from sus and linux because of the cost of having running those machines that we were migrating from in this case or the application from on premise to the cloud uh, or even building in this case a brand new one that right now because of this you can have the azure share disk that will replace exactly not replace it will act like the global file system that you have inside of the red hat um, and the SUS that allows you to build way easier and way cheaper your clusters regarding uh, Red Hat and SUS, uh, right? And and that is huge because now this is GA. So now this is available for you to use in production on the full blown. And usually we don't use clusters on on the on the test environments or or only only for testing right purpose. But this is really important in this case. In my opinion, why this is is an important uh, an important update for the 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 Red Hat or in this case for the Linux community, right? It is, and uh, I just want to kind of add to that. Uh, supplemental is um, that same point is also very critical for good governance because then that shared like the Azure shared disk, the global file system is tagged and associated with that app. And yeah. that means that there's a way to uh, allocate those resources, those costs, yes. and build back to that application, or at least know yeah. who is costing what. Yes. And when Absolutely. we use things like Azure Files or Azure Net Files, things like that, it can be really tough. Okay. Because then, then you have to get into some weird solutioning um, to be able to allocate costs and things using tags for directories within the, the file system. And it gets really messy. Absolutely. So this is a really cool solution, it is. by the way. And there is another one that I almost forgot because I had two. I had three. One, you you stole my thunder regarding the <laughs> the the support. But I had sure. these these other disks. And the other one that is really important as well is now all the updates comes from Microsoft maintaining those updates regarding the Red Hat and SUS, and you can use that part with the automatic uh, image maintenance. So meaning that every time that like you have on Microsoft side of well, as well on Windows, that every time they release patches, they kind of release different versions. You have at least three versions. You have the most updated one. Then you have like the second patch. I think you have three months of difference of the image. And I think mm -hmm. they will do that as well for you in regards of compatibility. You don't have always the last one. You can always revert to to something that, and that is maintained by by Microsoft, which is really good in this case for for this for this update, right? Yeah, it, it's amazing. Yeah, because then you can use it in your test environment. You just spin up your cluster, yes. test the update, and sometimes because Linux is the way that works, the blocks that you put on top of it, right? They are not fully compatible. For example, with the version that with the lastest version, you need to go one or two versions back to do the to do just do that uh, that uh, implementation, right? See, and, and that's, that's really reason. fascinating because I actually had a conversation this past week with a client about that, and it's difficult, right? So we have to stay up to date to keep our security teams happy and stay well patched and protected in our environments, but at the same time, vendors. Uh, like third-party vendors other than Microsoft seem to lag behind in their patching. So we end up with this compatibility uh, kind of competition, right? So we have to patch the OS, but the vendor says, no, we're N minus two for patching all the time, N minus two. So uh, there can be a lot of delicate balance in that world of uh, software oh, patching. Absolutely. OS patching. Uh, I'm going to say I'm happy right now not to be dealing with that a whole lot on a day-to-day -day basis. <laughs> but I don't. I just have uh, uh, Azure Automation to do that for me. And Exactly, and right? 
man it's yeah. like those days that i i got it i just received an email um say everything is patched say oh awesome thank you so much powershell time uh working on uh patching oh before things. yes before oh yes. my gosh uh i mean it was fun and it was cool yeah. but i um, i remember for fun. example and this is a very uh, this is a very good friend of mine dave kaula that is also uh, um an mv uh, an azure mvp right now but he used to be a hyper-v mvp like me that he developed this massively and really good um, script, PowerShell script, that was for patching Hyper-V clusters. Um, that you are patching one and you are you are basically grabbing all the patch from from WSUS, for example. And mm -hmm. it was applica it was a, a being applied to that node. It was first draining the nodes and all of that. And it reminds me the way that now uh, uh, Azure Patch is doing, or, or Azure Patch, no, the patch management, the up, mm -hmm. uh, update management is doing because it's applying one and going to the next one and applying. It's exactly the same logical that he applied, but he had to create manually. And he had to yes. run this, he had to run this manually. So the only, the ultimate part that was missing is the part of automation. So I even remember uh, using his is uh, good uh, um, uh, script to work in this case with orchestrator, the system center orchestrator, to patch mm -hmm. the hypervis, for example. Uh, that was my automation at that time to run that because the the script inside have the entire logic and it was massive. It was really good, I have to say. So kudos for for Dave Kaula um to do that uh because he was he was getting there with all the, all of that patching but yeah yeah absolutely moving to the next one we are to deviate from, from from this already uh public's public preview on stateful and one minute frequency log alerts in azure monitor right so absolutely Log alerts right now, it's it's doing. This is this is in preview. I have to say, uh, mm -hmm. it's getting your stateful log alerts. So what does this mean? Means that with this feature enabled, you will can fire automatically log alerts. Okay, and resolve once the condition you have it. It's no longer met. So this is really cool because on log on Azure Monitor. We used to have that, but not with log uh, search, in this case, log alerts. It was right. with monitoring. It was with, I'm failing the name. It was with mo monitor state, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yes. Yeah. And stateful is really cool. Yes. And uh, if you're into monitoring, stateful is kind of, uh, I think, let's use the saying, the bee's knees, right? Because it means we don't have to go in and acknowledge the alert. It's self-correct yes. when the state corrects. Exactly. And this this the difference that we are talking about regarding the monitoring one is we have monitoring of the VMs, right? Mm -hmm. So outside of the VMs that is responsible for, that is Azure that is doing it. And then it reports back to Azure Monitor. And then we can have way quicker than this. This one, it's a little bit different. What we're we talking about is we have the agent of Azure Monitor inside of the VM. We are looking for the logs, okay? So the event needs to happen inside of the VM and then sends to Azure Monitor. It was always a delay regarding this. So now in preview, we can have this to lower as one minute frequency. Yes. Usually it was like between, if I'm not mistaken, five to 15 minutes, right? It was. It was kind of a random thing. Yes. And you could use some PowerShell to uh, alter your settings. But out of the box, it was between five to 15 minutes kind of randomized. Yes. Which meant that if, uh, let's say you have um, a halted query that's blocked up your, your queue in SQL, now you might be 15 minutes until you know yeah. that that has happened. And certainly 
in a in a busy environment, you'll have users phoning within two or three minutes, usually when that happens. Exactly. But uh, now it's down to one minute, which means now you can trigger the automation and all of the things we love about Azure yeah. Monitor, right? So uh, you find out that something has happened. The monitoring system sends that, uh, the logging system rather, sends that alert to Azure Monitor. Azure Monitor can now, for example, uh, purge the queue and clear that error. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not only that, it's like, Usually when I talk with monitoring with, with my customers or with the customers, I always try to uh, make them aware of the dynamic alerts. So it means that the alert will happen um, in, in a period of time. So for example, if that alert happens three times in a period of five or 15 minutes, that could, be, could have something. Because usually if you're doing these type of alerts, and you have a spike, uh, right? And and it basically that's the part that I like about these these log alerts to auto resolve is you have mm -hmm. a spike, so it goes out of the what is your baseline, right? And then if it comes down, it will auto resolve. And now with dynamic, you can say, okay, I want to quantify that space, that interval that I'm talking about to not getting alert because that means that probably my application, he had a spike, but is well configured because you could resolve the spike in a time fashioning way, okay? But if that happens too many times, let's say if that happens on a period of five minutes or 50 minutes happens like four or five times, that might indicate that I might, I might have a problem in the future. And now I need to look at it or at least to look at those kind of things. So that's why I, I like this part very much, this, this update and becomes available on GA. So we can implement that associated with dynamic alerts. So now we have way more insight about what is going on on the, on the monitoring side, right? Absolutely, yeah. And that raises kind of an interesting point. And I think you and I have talked about this before, uh, maybe not in this podcast though, and that is that monitoring is an iterative process. So uh, monitoring should not be set it and forget it and then just watch the screen. And, you know, if it's red, it's bad. Or if don't it's green, even it's watch good. the screen because a lot of yeah. times we spend a lot of these conversations to try to understand how is the application working, right? What is the metrics that we need to, to, to go for it? And then we set up these marvelous dashboards with all of that. And then after that, they say, oh, the monitoring is not working. Say, but you look at the, at the alerts. No. So what's the point? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Everything goes to an error state and nobody fixes it. So you stop getting alerts. Right? <laughs> yeah. So it is an iterative process though, right? We have to revisit that. And I, w I just want to talk about that just for a moment. Yeah. Because um, I think it's important that uh, administrators, but also organizations realize that like uh, inside your application, um, the environment changes, uh, the way that the users want to consume the application or popular sections within the application, those things all change. Uh, they evolve, they get better, they, they move, right? So uh, monitoring has to adapt with that. And uh, just don't forget about it, I guess, is really what I want to say. Um, yeah. Because if we include that, then we're going to have good metrics from our monitoring, which means that we can be more adaptable and adapt faster with, uh, within those applications. Uh, hopefully, we, you know, we'll have a, an open feedback uh, between all those uh, people doing that work. But anyways, enough said about that. I just wanted to say don't set it and forget it. Because, exactly, because yeah. it's not good. And especially with the next one. Uh, general availability of the application insight work item integration in Azure Monitor. So I've been, I don't know about you and, uh, and this is, this is something that we can have a, uh, not a discussion, but a conversation about it is I'm leveraging way more application insight that I, I ever thought about it. I've, yeah. I'm a very fan of this. Yeah, absolutely. And I love, um, I've been exploring things like um, using 
as you know, I'm a, a PowerShell nerd, but uh, I really like Bicep um, for kind of a query, right? So one of the shortcomings uh, I've long felt with ARM templates is that it's not dynamic, right? It's a very much a static thing. Yes. And uh, I've been starting to explore Bicep and uh, building uh, ARM templates and things basically if you answer yes to this question, then, you know, change the next question based on that response kind of a thing. And we can't do that in a static ARM template, yes. um, but we can deploy app insights as part of ARM templates. So uh, I think it's really cool because if we, if we start to combine these technologies, um, it's, it really comes together to make a, just an amazing product within Azure overall, right? So um, the other thing that I really like about uh, App Insights is how you can use a uh, Custo query language, which, uh, as of course you know, I work a lot in Azure Sentinel as well. So as I'm getting a little better, uh, and I just I, like I mean a very small bit uh, with Custo, um, now you can also use that with App Insights data as well, right? Yes. So what I like about this update is you basically build this work item integration that is a combination of different things. So uh, workbooks that you can have it, uh, like you mentioned, pre-built or even custom uh, um, custom queries that you want for your application uh, and multiple, uh, in this case, configuration on the work items that you have. Even uh, the, uh, they can differentiate a lot of those a lot of those times that you want to do it and what what i like about this is you are building like a kind of a package for application insight but what i like about this is the integration with github and azure devops so now you can have the ci cd even on this so mm -hmm. instead of going on the portal or through powershell to try to configure and adjust all of this you can pre-test this and now you have your, this is the part that I do love about this update is now you have the possibility of your Azure monitor, right? And in this case, your application insights follow the agile methodology and the scrum methodology or development methodology as any other application. Because Absolutely. As, as, and this should be correctly integrated because if you are involving your application that you are deploying, you should involve as well your monitoring because they should be end-to-end. -end. They should be mm -hmm. ending together and working together. So now be able to do this and be able to inject, in this case, the monitoring into the process of develop the application by building those ARM templates and deploying to those ARM templates it's a very easy step for integration these into the pipeline. When I'm uploading a new, uh, a, a new version of my uh, application, I might I might deploy exactly the same, for example, ARM template. Or if I'm deploying a new feature, I might add that to the ARM template. And now I'm covering with the monitoring. Right. This is where I see the very good usage of this particular update that is now in GA. Absolutely, yeah. And it is important to note it is GA, so we can use yes. this on our actual workloads for integrating our monitoring. Absolutely, and that's that's really important, uh, I think, regarding that, because otherwise we, you, we will be in trouble for that. Now, moving on to one of the fastest um, one of the fastest updates, Azure Ultra Disks is now in GA in North Central US. Okay. So Azure Ultra Disk is our slowest one, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, to be, uh, I guess, fair disclosure, I did look at this one uh, before our recording because I was like, Ultra Disk. Well, what's so great about Ultradisk? This sounds like another upcharge. Like, do you want a large size that SSD, sir? Well, I, yes, I do. Yes. Charge <laughs> so, me as many as much as you want. So, <laughs> oh, you have one of those budgets. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me just do one thing: is if you are new at at uh, at this show, right? 
uh, we have different types of discs in Azure, right? Mm -hmm. We have what's called the standard HDD disc, that is our spinal discs. They are spinning the cheapest. Rust, they say, yeah. Yes. Uh, spinning what? Spinning rust. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Spinning rust. Um, so they are the cheapest one, but of course you don't have the exact same performance. But then we enter into the SSD world, right? SSD slash NM NVME world mm -hmm. uh, that is called the SSDs. So on SSDs in Azure, we have basically three tiers. We have the standards, we have the premium, and now we have the ultra. As you mm. can imagine, the ultra is the top of the notch. So it's, yes, please charge me. Here's my credit card uh, or my black <laughs> credit card. Please charge I me. I will provide uh, Marcos's uh, credit card number in the comments uh, yes. later on this week for everybody. But if you yeah. want to, to help us testing this, please, uh, uh, we don't have any type of this, but yeah, forget it. Let's, <laughs> let's move on. We're off the rails again. Yeah, folks. completely. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so uh, within the scope of the Ultradisc, um, as I look at their, uh, their kind of their IOPS and the throughput chart that they have published, and if you follow the link in the article, um, it takes you right to the uh, Microsoft Docs article on this, which is really awesome, by the way. So if you have a one terabyte, right, so you can go up to... And hold on to your shorts, my friend. 65 terabyte. Four, 64. Uh, well, 64. You're right. My division is pretty bad. but <laughs> <laughs> One off. Come on. That's not bad. Yeah. So uh, let's say you have a one terabyte. Uh, but anything in that range up to 64 is uh, 160,000 IOPS. What? Like that's uh that's really good. That's so like as good, right? By IOPS we mean um in and out per second. So that's we great. have uh, so hundred and sixty thousand uh entries or 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 out or, or, or in on outs per second on that disk that he can handle. It's massive. It's huge. It's, it's huge. massive, massive, massive. Because usually so this is all fiber channel stuff, right? Yes. Because you you have to have fiber channel to be able to achieve those kinds of input and output uh, write and read operations. Yes. And uh, most of us, I say most of us, don't have fiber channel in our uh, home data centers, or <laughs> even in our <laughs> even in our uh, let's say local data center. Um, that's definitely top tier stuff. Yes. So. Uh, the throughput in terms of megabytes is 2,000 megabytes per second. Per second. Per second. So almost two terabytes in this case. Yeah. Almost two terabytes per second, per second. of throughput. Read, write. That's right. I mean, it's mind-boggling how yeah. fast this is. So. There's some really good uh, kind of trickle down implications from this. So we talk a lot about like Azure healthcare. Yeah. So if we just focus on that, like um, imaging technology, MRIs, uh, ultrasounds, x-rays, that's a lot of data, particularly MRIs. Um, I did a little bit of uh, consulting work years ago. You actually might not have heard this story before. And uh, I did work uh, supporting some uh, GE technology in a hospital. And they were having trouble with just this problem, which was being able to write the MRIs fast enough. And uh, they couldn't get uh, an actual uh, real person from GE um, healthcare support to come to site to, to help diagnose it for something like three days. But as you know, MRIs run on uh, three sets of staff, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And uh, it's a critical service for every hospital that has an MRI. So, uh, I mean, especially if it's a, a, you know, the patient needing to be scanned. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a big deal, right? So um, this kind of thing uh, for throughput and IOPS is huge for healthcare verticals using Azure services. And of course, there's many other things like financial services, um, science, so, you know, whatever. Uh, uh, but uh, when I think about healthcare and I think about like MRI data, 
I think about um, how this kind of thing is really kind of bringing those things together, right? And I think it's really cool how uh, Microsoft is able to continuously, as you said at the start, uh, be able to upgrade their hardware, even uh, through all the adversity that we have with hardware supply chain right now. Yes, absolutely. Um, to keep powering all of these industries to continuously make improvements. I, I just, I, I don't want to get too far off the rails with it, but I just think that it's so cool. Yeah, no, it is. And just to give an idea to to you that you are that you are seeing the, the 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 podcast and seeing the show, usually a standard just to have a comparison, we're talking about one hundred and sixty thousand IOPS. That mm -hmm. is a measure that we're doing when when we're doing um, in this case performance on disks. Normal disk in this case the standard SSD disk that we have and is SSD that we have is five hundred IOPS. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a world of difference. And that's so that's a standard SSD. And even if you're going to the HDD, like the spindle to rest, uh, like like <laughs> uh, Andrew said, uh, is even lower than that. Our discs, if you're seeing, <laughs> it's bad. So I I bought I bought the disc. Uh, I bought the NV disc that have like. 500 mags read and write like through output or no 500 IOPS and I say wow this is fast now I'm going to have like very cool very cool this have 160,000 IOPS just just just, yep. just to see the difference so that's why we we were playing please provide us your credit card because <laughs> this is something that you will need it absolutely it's without. probably going to be quite expensive yeah <laughs> to be fair we didn't look yeah. into the pricing no. on it and uh i also don't want to because i'm not going to be using that anytime soon but yeah. uh, i think there's a, there is a lot of industries that can use it they can use it yes. and uh even if it's a temporary measure right so uh when we think of azure um remember this is virtual infrastructure from the person consuming it the organization absolutely. consuming it right Absolutely. And we can spin up, uh, say, a server cluster to process an MRI image, um, Azure Ultra Disks attached to those VMs, and we can do some processing of medical images. And then when we're done, we shut all that infrastructure down and move the data back to wherever we need it. So like, this doesn't mean that you spin it up and keep it forever. Um, although I'm sure nobody would complain at Microsoft if you did. <laughs> Absolutely. Somebody, somebody just got a great commission. <laughs> yes, absolutely, and have some good vacations. Oh wait, they cannot have vacations right now. But yeah, some delayed oh, vacations. Don't start on that. Don't start on that. Not Let's roll the next clip. Exactly. <laughs> Public preview on Azure Log Analytics in South India. So hmm. our good friends that now they are in not in trouble, but they are suffering a little bit more with this. They're uh, having. A, a big medical struggle there right yes, now. Yes, with this COVID, um, they have some good news, at least for them, at least for their technical. That is the Azure Analytics is now in preview, public preview in South India. So um, our good our good friends and our follower of this uh, podcast is being Azure Log Analytics and Azure Automation is running the world. So now yeah. it's extending to South India. This South India, if I'm not mistaken, is the new data center that they announced this year. Yeah, I think it was earlier this year. They said they were going to launch it uh, kind of in a rapid uh, rapid launch methodology. Yeah. And uh, I just want to say, like, I have a couple of teams I actively work with in uh, India for my clients. And... Uh, you know, I just want to say that it's pretty scary, right? Like this whole COVID thing and the way it's exploding there. Yeah. But uh, with this rapid data center launch, one of the things they were targeting was healthcare and science yeah. uh, workloads for India very specifically. And I remember reading that. So it's not, um, you know, insider knowledge by any stretch. But uh, I think uh, this is a big step, right? It so is. not just log analytics, but the infrastructure to support the log analytics exactly. uh, being available. So there's a lot of things behind the scenes we don't see 
um, like the the different uh, service meshes and like the integrations of kind of bringing all these things to together. Uh, yeah, together to the launch. But um, I think it's really cool because cool. Uh, we've seen South India go from announcement to uh, what are we in here? May. So five months, let's say, uh, from announcement to uh, getting new services announced already. And so it's not the only fun. one, because look no. at this. Public preview uh, of application insight in South India as well, as well big... as West Central US. Wow, so excellent. So now our good friends, they will have application insight as well on West, West Central US and in South India for application insights. So besides the log analytics that they have in South India, they will have all the things that we are talking about, right? With application insights, they will have as well on South India. In this case, at this West Central one is the new, is the, is the Arizona one, right? It is, yeah. West Central U.S. is, is the new data center as well. <laughs> it's not West U.S. It's not Central U.S. It's West Central U.S. So, <laughs> yes, it's not. I, I find it interesting, right? <laughs> I realize it's... that it's not West West U.S. It's not Central U.S. It's West Central U.S. Well, I think they, I, let's be honest. They probably sat in a virtual meeting room, going, "Well, what the heck are we going to call this one, folks?" Exactly. <laughs> But uh, in Arizona, and I think you're right because it kind of rings a bell, but uh, I think that that also speaks volumes about the different uh, kind of um, like different lanes that Microsoft is really working very rapidly and aggressively in, not the least of which is sustainability from a physical standpoint, right? Yeah. So if you have a data center and let's say an Azure data center, you need at least uh, what two buildings, right? So uh, you have two very large data center physical buildings in Arizona running servers, networking, all these magical things that we love to consume as we just like click the button and it works. But uh, the cooling, the electricity, uh, so they must be using a lot of solar and wind uh, generation uh, for West Central U.S. to try and uh, ensure that it is uh, not just, uh, what did they say, not just carbon neutral, but uh, net. Right. Yes. So they want to be they want to be negative. They want to produce more to uh, the grid than what they're consuming. Yes. So that's a pretty big thing. To it do. is. And, and it's a statement that they say by, I think, is 2025 or 2025. Yeah, which is going to creep up on us awfully quick because oh, yeah. it's 2021 already. Yeah. And uh, if I think in terms of getting my Christmas shopping done, that's only uh, four more times. So <laughs> never thought about that. Uh yeah, it reminds me that that uh, the cranks right the the film the cranks movie <laughs> that they they counting the days or they counting the days to Christmas something like that is 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 that movie that we always watch on Christmas but let's not wait for that because Christmas means that it's snow and everything else and we and I need <laughs> I need a little bit of sun <laughs> and a little bit of warm. Uh, especially in Alberta, so uh, let's let's move on to the next one. Uh, we're now entering into the theme of Azure Site Recovery. I have to say it, but let's start with the first one. General availability, set up Azure Site Recovery with proximity placement groups across hybrid and cloud disaster recovery scenarios. Mm -hmm. What a big title, but what an amazing update. And now this is GA, right? Yeah, absolutely. So what does so, this mean? Well, I think it's really cool, right? So it means that on triggering the failover, site recovery will land the failed over VM inside the target PPG provided by you, right? So uh, really it just means when this, uh, when a site recovery is triggered, when a failure happens and you have to fail over, that VM will now try to stay as close to all of the other VMs in your proximity group that's defined. Uh, the reason you would define a proximity group, for example, would be database applications. So if you have an application that needs a database, that also needs a web server, that also needs a middle tier, 
So you have like these four systems kind of working in conjunction. You want to keep those physically close together. You want to avoid data egress from uh, regions and things like that, right? So you want to keep them all together. And uh, that wasn't necessarily 100% before. Um, I don't want to say the phrase hit and miss, but it was. <laughs> so yes. now we can actually define it, right? I think it goes a little bit, if I'm, a, if I'm allowed to go a little deeper on this, what I like to, to, to explore is the part of when we're doing the site, when you do the disaster recovery, right? You're doing this recovery to from one region to another or inside of the same zone, right? Uh, that yes. that is possible. But usually you have disperse those applications. For example, if you have disperse in by availability zones, uh, I see a lot of those happening. Like you have you are dispersing like the web servers, right, into three different zones, which is normal. Because if a zone becomes unavailable, you still have the other two zones inside of the same region. But when you're going right to disaster recovery, and we're going to uh, uh, you're going to uh, on a disaster recovery scenario, and you are doing to another region, right, the DR using ASR in this case, you cannot say where is that uh, machine is going to be placed if it's on the zone one, zone two, or in this case, availability zone one, availability zone two, availability zone three. What it does is it will respect your proximity placement groups. And it will, when you're doing all of this, it will trigger the failover and it will do it on the same way. Because a lot of things, what can happen is, and I see a lot of organizations that, they don't understand correctly the concept of availability zones or the concept of high availability inside of, of, of Azure. And they put like, for example, the web servers on the availability zone one and the application servers on the availability zone two and then mm -hmm. the database servers on the availability zone three. Yes, they will have high availability, but what's gonna happen is if the availability zone one becomes unavailable, they lose the they lose the application because it's not organized on that way. You should spread horizontal, it, not vertical, those workloads exactly. across it has the to be distributed across zones horizontally, not vertically, right? And that's the part that that is really really key to this. So now you can have those uh, when you're doing those proximity placement groups. Um, across the habit, like you mentioned, you are building everything, for example, in within one zone, because it doesn't make any sense to segregate between zones when you have a web server, for example, using that example on one zone, database on the other zone, because yes, you will have performance, but not the same performance as we have on the same zone, right? Because you have to remember zones are data center, physically data centers, that they are within two milliseconds. Sub yes, within one region. Yeah. One one region. So you still have two milliseconds of latency. And if you are on the same data center, you should have a sub millisecond latency. So you are increasing that on your application, right? And that's the part that I just want to, to go a little bit deeper on this uh, because it's an awesome, it's an awesome update. It will facilitate our lives way better when those times that the Murphy arrives um, <laughs> and we we need to... Uh, it happens. It uh, happens. Oh my, faster than you think. Yeah, well, all it, all it takes, uh, let's say it's spring and summer here in uh, Canada, right? So, um, you know, all it takes is one road construction project and uh, yes. a, a hi-ho digging and all of a sudden they've done a fiber cut and one data center goes down. Absolutely. Um, it, it usually takes a little more than that, I, 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 I freely admit. But really, um, we're a little bit fragile sometimes when it comes to physical infrastructure. And that's what availability zones are for, is to distribute that workload. And I think, I think what you said was very critical 
that a lot of companies see the zones and they think, okay, I have the, you know, tier one, tier two, and tier three for my apps, but they, they kind of stack them uh, up yeah. and down. And uh, it, like when you look at it on a chart or on a PowerPoint slide, it makes perfect sense. However, when zone one goes down and you just kind of cover that off, all of a sudden you're missing the whole web tier for your application. Yeah. Right. So you have to distribute, like you say, horizontally across those zones. And that's really, really critical. So, uh, yeah, good takeaway on today. Really good deep dive on that one, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Moving to the next Azure, Azure site recovery is the JA of Azure recovery now supports. This is massive cross continental disaster recovery for three region pairs. So this means that now if you are, for example, on West US, okay, not West Central, West US, okay, <laughs> you are West yep. US, you can have disaster recovery to, in this case, for example, East US, and then the other one, for example, to Europe. So if all the North America becomes unavailable or the super volcano of Yellowstone erupts, right? At least uh -oh. you have the Europe that can support your business. Exactly, right? And uh, this is a big one because, uh, you know, this is not going to be for um, kind of your average small, medium business. This is going to be more for enterprise clients that have cross-continental or worldwide business operations, right? Because there's going to be some data charges as part of this, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So we have to think about that. Um, I know I've already mentioned egress once, I think this uh, podcast, but uh, that is something to think about uh, as part of your overall design. Now, you know, last, uh, I wanted to call it slide. It's not a slide at all. Is it last update <laughs> that you showed us? You talked really well about horizontal planning when it comes to zones this is kind of next level, right? So this is geographical redundancy. Of your uh, disaster recovery scenario, yes. Exactly. So this means if North America goes down, then you have Europe. And you can do it for three region pairs. Uh, like, uh, this is amazing, right? And this one is general availability. Yes, it is. So it's, it's I don't remember seeing a preview for this one come through. I have to see the, the my notes. I feel like but... I would have been more excited about it and remembered it. Um, <laughs> I I'm gonna I'm gonna check when this one hit preview, but uh, no, it's already, it is GA. It's GA. So so yeah. So a lot of those things is 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 what it, what it is possible. It's something that, especially for organizations that they are, global dispersed, right? They have uh, they are using multi regions it's really important for them because now they can use those regions to just restore those workloads without any problem because they already have all the network and all of that and makes exactly. makes them way more uh not secure resilient. but resilient is like i was work i was looking for that word resilient regarding because it's not if they are truly leverage azure as a, as a yeah. global as a global cloud, right? Because now they can be to three different regions. So I can be North America, I can be in Europe, I can be Asia Pacific, I can be whatever I want across the globe. It need it really needs like a big kind of uh, uh, asteroid to kill us all. But then, what's the point? We all we killed. won't be worried so much exactly about, about that. that it's stage, just the next exactly. generation that comes. <laughs> and recovers the data of that company right but still still yeah um those kind of things but it it's makes like close to a hundred percent of resilience right that's the uh, interesting yeah part of it. exactly right because now you can fail uh kind of worldwide yes right exactly um the it, it, yeah it's kind of cool uh i think we're going to start to see some companies kind of uh using announcing, test announcing that say yeah we are covering we will have 100% of this or whatever that. Absolutely. So moving to the last but not the least, mm -hmm. and it's really important, um, is the Azure Site Recovery 
that now supports Azure policy in public preview. And oh my God, if we don't need this right away. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So this is in preview. This is preview, yes. Not, yeah, not but now you can uh, enable uh, ASR for your VMs at scale to ensure organizational standards, right? So now we can use policy yeah. for ASR. Ah. <laughs> uh, so, this one's so great because now we just designed this once, we build the policy, and then we can apply, uh, for example, a whole resource group yeah. uh, into ASR using the policy. And the good thing about this is what we are doing with this is we make standards, we make the governance easier. And because of this, we can we can see it, for example, uh, we can attach this to management groups. Now we can say that, for example, because it's production environment, we all the VMs in production environment will have disaster recovery because they will be inside of the progression of, of all the production subscriptions. So we can leverage all the policies. We can even leverage, in this case, um, when we apply this to tags. So the, all of the good thing about, about Azure policies they can give us regarding that. And it's not only that. It is the one that it's not a part of the configure. It's a part of the policy that if you see the screen and 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 I apologize if, if you are listening to this, just go there in this case to the to the YouTube channel, the Azure Setup YouTube channel to just to see this. Because on the screen we they on the blog post, they I highlighted the configure disaster recovery on virtual machines by enable replication policy. Mm -hmm. But on top of that, for me, is one of the key in this case. Um, policies that is the audit of virtual machines without re disaster recovery configured. So this exactly. will give us the report of what is not being protected regarding disaster recovery in our in our environment. So uh, and that's that's really key about it. And you can put on the you can put different policy definitions uh, again. This needs to be tied with with tags, with all of those things, but it's a really good way to make sure that we are protecting. We are making sure that our production environment is going to be resilient, right? Exactly, yeah. And uh, I think I have two favorite things about Azure policy. And the first one is it allows us to apply things evenly yes. across whatever groups we define. And the second one, like you say, is about compliance, right? So we can see those reports and say, hey, uh, you know, we have these VMs that are out of compliance. Why? Uh, you know, is the tagging wrong? Like, what is what is it we need to correct? Or uh, you can also add exemptions, right? Yes. And then, uh, you know, for example, you don't want like your DevOps stuff, probably um, like your testing DevOps and mm -hmm. things like that uh, in uh, ASR. Um, certainly you don't want your DevOps machines. <laughs> or or <laughs> so, even your, for example, your firewalls, because you have, yeah. you have a different ones. So you can, and because it, it, it will be on your production environment, for example, you do, and th those are appliances and you have other mechanisms, depending on the firewall you're talking about, um, that you have to recover those, or you probably, you have like an active passive kind of configuration that they exactly. already are on the disaster recovery region, for example, or location that you don't or want to do it. Or using Azure Firewall, and that's built in. Yeah, or, or something like that, right? On the on the other one. So all, a lot of that, you can create those exceptions, like you mentioned. I, I, I'm a huge fan on Azure policy. It's one of my big topics when I when I talk about Azure governance is, is Azure policies. It's basically doing that, right? Absolutely. Yep. Uh, I think you and I are very closely aligned on uh, Azure policy for sure. Um, it's a it's a very important tool. It is. That is underutilized sometimes. Completely, completely. With that, we come to the end of our show this week. I hope that you like it. So uh, if you like it, please don't forget to subscribe. 
Uh, if you don't like it, just subscribe as well, just to hear us <laughs> and giving the thumbs down if you want. We love all the type of of support, bad or good. In this case, absolutely. Yeah, we we accept all feedback. All uh, feedback. No love charges apply. Uh, just leave your credit card number and we'll test out <laughs> ultra discs. Especially, we will test the ultra discs. Absolutely, we let you know if they are really ultra or not. Okay. <laughs> I, I think we might get in trouble. Now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think it is. So, Andrew, one more time, thank you for being here for making this this uh, a show that it is already. Awesome, at least for me. I'm looking forward to this every single week. I think it's repetitive. I think I'm, I'm doing this for 28 weeks and we are saying the same thing 28 times. That's okay. Whatever. But you know what? Uh, I appreciate uh, uh, first you and I also appreciate uh, all of our viewers and listeners. Um, again, leave some feedback. Uh, you know, hit the subscribe button and Uh, let's uh, let's hear what you've got to say out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So I hope I can see you next week and thank you and bye.